You're listening to Lighten Up with the Declutterista, and I'm your host, Becky Bass, the Declutterista. I'm all about having fun with mom life, decluttering, and interviewing inspiring guests. I have a very special guest here with me today, hubster, husband extraordinaire, Alan Bass. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's very nice looking across at you. (laughs) Good times, good times. So um, since this will be recorded, I just wanted to say all the nice things about you that I don't say in a general in, in general, so you can play it back and uh, things like that. So Alan is um, a computer engineer, software engineer, um, awesome husband, awesome dad, awesome dog parent. That was our firstborn, Bear Bast, um, CrossFit athlete, CrossFit coach for kids. I mean, yeah. what more could you want right there? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's really a, a really solid guy. Like he never, I'm always, my brain's always kind of like, kind of naturally turns a little bit negative and Alan's always thinking kind of the best of people, which I'm like, that's annoying. Like, how does that come so easy to him? Um, so I just wanted to chat with you, you know, about what life with the declutterista, aka me, um, you know, any marriage tips, what's working, what's not, just to get just to get real for a few minutes. So what's it like living with the declutterista? Can you find anything? Do you have any items? Well, I mean, I think it's awesome living with the declutterista. Safe answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we complement each other really well. You know, I think, you know, you really like to, you really like to, you know, keep a tight chip. <laughs> and I like to, you know, sit back and relax. You know, and so and so we kind of round each other out. So I, I, you know, you know, it's true. When when I come home at the end of the day, I like to you know sit back and relax. It's my time to unwind, and and um, and it's it's uh, and I I think that's not necessarily how you view home. (laughs) And so so it's it's just it's, but it's you know I will say this. I, I really do like coming home to a decluttered house, you know, and that's really nice. And it's... I'll give you the money later. <laughs> um, yeah. What did I see this morning, which was like a beautiful thing? It was almost like he was just giving I know. me material. I what did I ro- see? I was rolling shirts. His, okay, so I Mary condoed his drawer. So it kind of, not her exact way, but like good enough, like rolled it up so you could see everything. And I did the same to my kids. And theirs has kind of gotten a little bit crazy, like just back to normal, but it's easy to go back to Alan's has stayed. And I think you're rolling up your – you're maintaining the system. Yeah. Well, I it, it helps. I'm not a good folder, but I'm a good roller. <laughs> so I think that that helps a lot. And it's it's so much easier to roll a shirt than to fold a shirt. Interesting. So it's kind of a little more fun. It's more fun, yes. Things, things have to be fun for us. So this, everyone's always wondering, and I think I mentioned this on another show, how do I get my family on board? And I kind of say, good luck with that. Like, try changing yourself. It's really hard to change people. But this is the first system that I kind of started to make their lives easier and they're maintaining. There was a little bit of fun. It was easy. And you can see the benefit of seeing all your clothes. So I was not on team Mary Kondo. I was like, oh, that seems like so much work, but it's actually not. So that's, that's true. So... In terms of like, so I feel like our marriage is definitely a lot of teamwork. Teamwork is dream work. I don't know where that came from, but I heard it from my friend, but a lot of people it's say it. It's a good it. rhyme. Teamwork is dream work. 
Good times. He thinks the show sounds like NPR, so I don't know if that's a good that's thing. That's the impression I got. Is that good I or I don't know? I think NPR's. Never mind. I'm not going to diss it, but a little. Calm. Don't you want it to be a little cerebral? Yeah, I want it to be cerebral, but it's lighting up with the decluttery. So I don't really think NPR is super light. It's kind of serious. I think it's one of the funniest shows I've I ever hear is on NPR. Okay. Wait, wait, don't tell me. That's true. You do enjoy that show. So I think our marriage, there's a lot of teamwork to it. Um, I think personally, I've gotten better at a lot of things. I'm just going to toot my own horn. Um, Because Alan likes to relax so much, I think I've toned it down. Before we were married or before kids, I wanted to make the most of every second. I was like, what are we going to do? I'd get really anxious about it. And now I'm able to kind of sit back sometimes and realize just because there's certain things I want to do, I don't necessarily need to force Alan into it. Like, he has no interest in camping. None. And so I went camping, me and the kids, with some friends. Um, yes, I could have kind of said, you're going to do this. This is important to me. But I didn't want to see, like, the the not having fun face. Um, so I think he appreciated. Wouldn't have been fun for anyone. Huh? With seeing your face? Well, just... I mean, I th- and I appreciate that. <laughs> that I didn't make you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, it's just you know, I, 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 you know, I like my hot showers. I like to be comfortable. Yeah, he really likes to be comfortable. I, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, recently he said, when I come home, I really, and I don't even think he was saying it in reaction to anything I was doing, but he just said out of the blue, I like to just come home and relax, and I'm just like, what the. Wow, bold move. So I think we're definitely getting a little bit more comfortable because I kind of am run a tight ship. That's kind of a nice way of saying it. Um, But he has a lot of interests that I wish I was a better person that really tried harder. Like you like to play bridge with your father. I did try bridge a while back, but there were so many rules, so much thinking. I'm like, oh, God. So he plays bridge with his dad and you love CrossFit and... You really want me to get into that. I'm having trouble with that as well. Um, but then again, like some of my interests, like decluttering, you're like, you really do that. I, I made him declutter once. Like I was a date, yeah. date, date. He's like, you really do this all day. It's brutal. Brutal. So I think that's a lot of fun. But we support each other's interests. He supports mine with a little less of an attitude, which I keep aiming to um, try to be a little bit warmer and fuzzier and, oh, tell me more about that. Um, but I definitely give him the space to. But back to the CrossFit thing, which is a big theme in our life. And I want to say about Alan is um, we've both struggled with our weight since we start forever, right? And Alan has gone up and down 100 pounds several times. And what really stuck with me once, because everyone's always like, what are you eating? What are you doing? What are you doing? And he's always trying with a positive attitude. He's not really, at least openly, saying, oh, I suck at this. What's going on? He just keeps trying and rebooting. But he said, when he started getting into CrossFit, he said, "Um, I'm thinking of myself, instead of thinking of the guy who has a weight problem, I'm thinking of myself as a CrossFit athlete. And I thought that was really cool, because like, what a better mindset than to just have this constant battle but to think of yourself as an athlete and you are an athlete yeah what do you have to say about that (laughs) well i mean i've always thought you know we are the story we tell ourselves and you know the story of me being someone who is a larger man trying to lose weight you know wasn't serving me so if i if i changed that story and told my and changed it to you know, I am now a CrossFit athlete. So what does that mean? That means I eat and train like a CrossFit athlete. That story serves me better. 
at the end of the day, I'm healthier and happier. And so, and, and it is a mindset thing. And, um, and that's a way more fun mindset than, Oh, what diet am I going to do now? I gained like, yeah, keep going. Sorry. I interrupted you. No, it's, it's okay. Welcome to our life. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so, yeah. So it's, so, and then, and then it's, you know, it's, you know, and it's something that I also wanted to do with my family. You know, it would be great if you were into CrossFit. I think it was something we would really love to do. But, you know, I know I understand it's not for everyone. Not everyone loves everything. And and I also was thinking, you know, you know, you know, it would be also great as you know, I was I was one Saturday morning. I was, you know, my kid's soccer coach, and I thought, you know, he's a really good coach, by the way. Thank you. And uh, and I was thinking, you know, it would be great. You know, this is fun. I like to do lots of different sports, and you know, do them with my kids. But like, it would be great if we also, if I could also do this with CrossFit. So that's why, you know, so it, at that po- at that moment, I want I wanted to, you know, be a CrossFit kids trainer, and so, and so I did the. CrossFit certification and kids course. And now, you know, I teach the CrossFit kids at the gym I go to and, and I like it a lot. Um, you know, I, I think, and yeah, I just like it a lot. Yeah. And just to plug that, we really want to get people to that class because he's a great teacher. It's such a good workout. I don't know if people are intimidated thinking, Oh God, CrossFit, what are my kids going to be doing? you know, lifting crazy weights and like it's not yeah. good for them, but it's more, wouldn't you say, more games it's, and relays you know, and fitness? And, and one of the reasons I really like teaching kids five through nine is because, um, you know, you know, it, we really don't do any of those things with the heavy weights or anything. It's, you know, uh, you know, one thing I've noticed recently is, you know, our kids are kindergarten, first grade. And I started to notice that the teachers don't really ever correct them. If they misspell something, if they have a letter backwards. And, you know, and at first I was like, I wonder why they're just not correcting so they know how to do it better. And then, and then going through the kids class, I started to understand that the first step in, for, for really teaching a kid is to really foster passion and enjoyment for it. And once they enjoy something, then they'll really then they'll seek out the instruction they'll want they'll demand the instruction they'll want to do it correctly once they truly enjoy it and so and so in the kids class it's not about teach my goal isn't to teach them anything my goal is for them to really like it and enjoy it and change the trajectory of their health so that if they want to go to gym if they want to do exercise and they want to improve their health then it'll serve them for the rest of their lives, and then they'll seek out the instructions on the best way to do it. And so, and so that's all we do. All we do is just games and have fun, and in with with fitness in mind, so that they want to do it, and it'll just serve them for the rest of their lives. It'll change the trajectory of their health. And our kids really love it. Like I think our daughter is well. Both of them are really fit. Jojo's just a natural like climber, pull up, or I don't know where that comes yeah. from. I can't relate to it all. But Maya has like very good form, and she's doing push ups, and she's doing burpees because I see her in karate, and she's actually doing it well. So I think they really do like it. They get a little irritated when you don't follow their plan. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> you know it's um. You know, at I'm also well, I, you know, I still am the instructor, 
So, you know, I kind of, I, I do want them to get them to be, you know, one skill I really want them to have is to be able to listen and to follow instructions. So I'm still trying to encourage that, but in a, in a way that they can still have fun and enjoy what they're doing. But I, I you know, it, it'll get out of hand if I let them run the show, you know, so while like we do I, at home. well, <laughs> no. and so there are times where I do want to empower them with choices and to make them, you know, that's, that's a great way to engage with kids, but you have to really temper that and you have to, um, you know, do it in a way that, you know, that can also scale when you have more than a couple kids. So, so I do come up with a plan ahead of time, what I'm going to do that day, what's the theme of that day, what are some of the activities. And part of it is, you know, how can I have them choose? Like, for instance, one thing I, I really like to do um, is a Simon Says segment, and it's a great way of warming up where, you know, normally when you're in like a CrossFit class and you're doing a warm-up, you're just going through three or four or five different uh, stretches and light exercises and so what I'll but I'll do is I'll do like a Simon Says game you know Simon Says touch your toes Simon Says do three jumping jacks you know and and then whoever does a really good job and listens I reward them by letting them be Simon for a little bit so I'm still in charge of the I'm still in charge of the class but they get to lead it for a few moments and see what that's like yeah it's a good like a mixture of following the teacher and uh, actually empowering. So that's a good thing. We're running out of time, but I want to make sure um, we get your wisdom on marriage. Back to me. Enough CrossFit. Hmm. Back to me. Um, so I always – I feel like it doesn't come naturally for me, this this whole marriage thing. Other things come naturally like decluttering, being an amazing podcast host, amazing parent. But it's really not that complicated. I think in terms of being your wife, um, be nice. You like to be nice, which is tough because sarcasm is kind of my thing. So I'm realizing after 15 years of being together, sarcasm is not well, really your jam. The thing is, I don't mind sarcasm. I just don't. <laughs> I, I think sarcasm can be very funny. I just don't like when the sarcasm is directed towards me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's not fun. Not good times. Yeah. Um, but so I'm sarcastic sometimes, too. No, I don't know. You're pretty pretty so. kind and lighthearted. So just be nice. It's not that complicated. For me, it is because I think the times we actually see each other are first thing in the morning when I'm like in go mode trying to get everyone ready for school, trying to do a million things, and then at the end of the day when I'm done. So I think the best time – and you're kind of like ready to chit-chat at those times, and I'm like, sorry. Um, so, so yeah. So I think, you know, just be nice. Um, Alan is always very supportive of what I need to do. I'm supportive, but need to be a little bit nicer and less like cranky. So do you have any words of wisdom and how to have a successful marriage? Be quiet. No. <laughs> Don't talk. <laughs> Let her choose everything. No, sorry. No, I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think some things about a successful marriage, you know, I've, I've come to realize that it's okay to have sometimes different interests you know, you have certain interests that I don't, I have certain interests that you don't, but we do have a lot of interests in common and things we enjoy together. TV. Uh, yeah, that's one of them. It's one of my favorite things you know, to do together is watch TV at, when the kids go to bed. It's like a dream come true. And we both unwind at this time. You yeah. Know? And so it's, it's, you know, so, I mean, and so, yeah, and we both really, as we we don't really vacation much recently, 
but like we do love going on vacations together. You know, uh, Cape Cod or tomorrow. Yeah, woo resort. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, you know it's it doesn't come easy, but I think it's worth it. And I love you, and thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I think you're you. stealing love my you thunder too, because you're really good. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. You're. It was fun having you on the show. I thought you carried the show. Oh, come on. Stop. Stop. Um, so, yeah, I think because you have a lot of good things to say and I love you, I think we'll have a se- whole separate interview with you. But I wanted to make the most out of you taking this whole week off celebrating our 11-year anniversary with the staycation slash going to the Cape Cod Resort. Yeah, I love the staycation. I know. He does like to relax. I like to go, go, go. But it works out. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks and I will me. see you this whole week. I'm so excited to have my success coach here in the studio with me, Jessica Miller. Jess is a mom, a wife, a heart survivor, a success coach, and CEO of Brand New You, a life and business coaching company that works with highly driven female entrepreneurs and businesswomen to empower them to make money and step into who they are meant to be. Welcome to the show, Jess. Do you want to go by Jess or Jessica or like what works for you? I like them both. Either one is fine. All right. If you're angry, you can be like, Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, I always call you Jess. So welcome to the show. Thank it's you. very exciting. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So how I kind of stumbled across your awesomeness, um, we're both on Pepper Lane, which I just like name drop like everyone knows what, who, what that is, but it's um, how I started my decluttering business and it's... Um, a company that helps support women start and run their own business. It's networking, mastermind, business boot camp, pretty much everything. Definitely have to check it out. So on the uh, Facebook page of Pepper Lane, people were like, I just met with Jess. I love Jess. Jess, Jess, Jess. I'm like, who is this Jess? And then also um, I did kind of a Facebook Live with Pepper Lane. And she meant, and I mentioned um, Brooke Castillo, which is how I got a lot of my mindset help uh, through a podcast. How I st- one of the main podcasts I listened to to work on mindset and things like that. And Jess was like, "Oh, I love Brooke. I was trained by Martha Beck, who was like one of the leaders." And I'm like, "Holy cow!" So then I kind of stalked you a little bit and went to your booth, and then I like really just liked her, wanted to be her friend. And she wasn't even—you weren't even trying to sell me like, "Oh, you, sh- I should be your coach." Nothing. I was just like, "So how much are you?" <laughs> I was like, "So what's the deal here?" Because I know, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur or if you listen to people, you know, people who are killing it, most people have coaches. So I kind of knew. If I really want to take stuff to the next level, that a coach is in my future, but I was a little bit cheap on it. But anyway, so I've been working with Jess a couple months, six weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's been amazing. So I'll stop talking. What exactly – I mean, I kind of explain what a success coach is, but what what would you say – how would you explain a success coach and things like that? Yeah. So – our, yes, our journey was like that. Although I think it was more like instant love at first sight when we met. Okay, which is also, I was hoping you felt that. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> it, I think that's also important with working with coaches, right? It's all the resume and then it's, you know, the fit. So, um, yeah, success coaching, um, you know, for me personally, I really focus on life and business coaching for um, female entrepreneurs and businesswomen. I think it's really focusing on helping people step into what does success look like for them? You know, one of the things for me that is so empowering is watching people really go for it. 
Mm. And I think for you specifically, when I first met you, there was so much energy. There was so much enthusiasm. You were going for it. You were living your life in that way. And immediately that energy, you know, I picked that up, whether it was on the video or when I met you in person. Um, I think actually the first time I was in the same room with you was a, was at Nancy's booth. Yeah. You know, at another. I went, oh yeah. Meeting. I went to That's someone right. else's booth that you were going to be at to stalk you, not your own booth. Right. Yeah. Right. And then we were sitting right next to each other. Which yeah. Was kind of funny. And like giggling. And... <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, that was really the thing that drew me to, to that type of coaching. And, um, many of the people that you said, you know, many of these amazing coaches that kind of paved the way for us, I think really showed us what was possible to help people hit a transformation in their life. And I think once I started to, to see the power of that and to see the power of that in my own life, um, I've always had a coach. I will always have a coach. I believe so deeply in the transformative power of coaching that I just thought this is exactly what I want to be doing with everybody. And there is nothing like locking arms with awesome people like you and my other clients and watching them just take off and go after what they want. And I think, you know, different areas of our life, they're not mutually exclusive, right? I mean, we are one whole person. So a lot of these things that we do show up in all different areas, whether it's our business or how we are with our spouse or our kids or whatever, it's kind of everywhere. So if you can get onto yourself in what you're doing in one area of your life, it also, it often has transformative effects in other areas. So then you watch somebody really step into who they want to be everywhere. Even if they came to me with, you know, <clears throat> I'm looking to work with you for certain things on your business, like what you talked about, that mindset, really, it kind of transcends all different parts of their life, which is just so cool to, to see that. Um, and it's fun, right? We have fun, which oh, makes yeah. it even even better. So I know. Second time we're going to have lunch. I'm like, <laughs> excited. And there's lunches in it. So that's awesome. I know. Either It's either I can't figure out the Zoom, so we'll be talking on the phone, or right. this is the second lunch in a row. So I'm, I'm definitely – can I say something off sure. topic? So yeah. I was talking so much with you and not focusing on my food. I had to barely finish my salad, and I was full for a long time. Mm. I know. That's unusual. Like usually I'm like, all right, rinse the neck. But that salad – Held me over. So testament to eat, eating slowly and not being focused on the food. Can you yeah, tell I'm working I'm on my – Can you either, tell I'm working on stuff? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's less fun. It's, you know, it's fun to eat fast. Mm -hmm. So you have done – so I went in wanting to hire you because I don't have a lot of fear around going for it in terms of putting myself out there, promoting myself, trying different things. So I thought I might have the right personality to kind of take it to the next level with Jess. And I have been able to conquer a lot of the things that were nudging me. And I was listening back in our Voxer messages, which is a little odd to do, but um, I noticed like I wanted to stop because I had so many little things that were swarming around. I wanted to utilize your services for the big kick butt. Mm. Um, and after just talking through it, you weren't even really trying to convince me, but if I can distill, basically you said, oh, what did you say? It was so good. But basically like giving up on yourself, you're, you're kind of giving up on yourself, which is like the most important thing, sort of. I don't know. Do you remember what yeah, you said? It's I, a little more I articulate than that. I remember the conversation. That. It's so funny that you're bringing this up right now because I <laughs> I share, th there was this quote that came up this morning and essentially the, the concept of it was like, basically the time is now, like the power is now. And I think when we talked, um, I'm trying to remember exactly what I said. If it was brilliant, I wish I could remember it exactly. <laughs> but I think my point to you was, um, <clears throat> 
so many people struggle with time. Like there's things that come up. They don't have enough time to do everything or, um, you know, there's, they feel like time is being taken away from them with these little things and they want to do the important things when they have the time. And so people will delay those things. I, I hear this so often and I hear it in my own life sometimes when I'm making these excuses like, oh, I'm just going to wait a couple of weeks for when I have the time, when I, you know, have enough time. And I think what I had said was um, for the things that you were going to put off, if those things are a priority and they're going to result in some sort of transformation or result that you really want that's going to change your life, there is never a good reason to wait for it. Mm. Like if you really want to do whatever that thing is and you're willing to commit to changing your life, there's no reason to wait. There's no good reason to wait. Now, if you're not willing to commit and change your life, you know, is now the time to do it? Well, I guess you have your answer if you're not willing to commit and change it, right? But if you know it's important, there's no logical reason to put something that's not important in front of Mm. the things that are. And so I think that's what I was basically saying, um, as well as I think we have this um, kind of like a delusion that the major shifts in our life happen with the really big things, but they don't. They happen one tiny decision at a time. And really, when it comes to deciding that you're going to choose you, that little decision is huge. So when you decide something for you to put off, you're actually not choosing you. And that decision is actually bigger than whatever it is you think you're going to accomplish in that time. And so that's what I think I was saying when we yeah, talked. I can't good. remember it exactly. That sounds right. Yep. Um, but I think it's so crucial. Like two, two really big things. Like one is like our life is made up of a series of nows, right? The only moment we really have is now. We don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. What happened five minutes ago is gone. So the only control we have is like in this literal instant. And so the power that you have to change your life is always in this moment. Right. And so that is like so – if we really like let that sink in, we have so much control over the things that we choose to do and what we think about the now, right, this minute. So – I mean, that alone, like, why would you ever put that off? I mean, you could do so many amazing things with it. Um, So I think, like, that is really important. And then I think the other thing is if you take control of your nows and your life is a series of those things, think about how much transformation you can make every moment, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's where the control is and that's where you get to decide. And that's how people change their life. I remember um, when I was – um, talking with Martha Beck, because you mentioned her earlier, she was talking about like on these huge cruise ships on the um, propeller in the back, there's these little things, they're, they're little tiny tabs, like one inch tabs that are on the, like the rudder, the propeller of the, is that the right word? I don't even know if that's the right word, but you know what I, I mean. I used the word rudder the other day. Yeah, yeah. Behind, the, behind the boat. Yeah. And basically... Um, the way that the boat turns, like if you're trying to turn one of these huge ships, you can't just like yank the the propeller to like one side or the other. There are these tiny little one-inch tabs that move hmm. that create, um, pr- you know, pressure on the on the actual v- vessel and turn the ship. 
these teeny tiny little tabs. And so if you think about how it takes like literally like turning these like ocean liners, like it's one tiny tab. So the power of the force behind those little decisions, especially added up when you do many of them, like I'm sure there's not one tab on this, you know, right? It's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think sometimes when people can look at it like that, they have, they find so much power and like what they can do and what they can do next, really. So a lot of questions are coming up, but you mentioned living in the now, and I, I mentioned that you're a heart survi- survivor, mm-hmm. and you had an incident that was kind of a game changer for you. Do you think that's that's why you're so focused on the now? And my I've, myself, I've dealt with some very sudden losses in my family, and I think that also plays a role in me just kind of going for it and not waiting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you're a heart survivor. So tell the audience, if you don't mind, what yeah. what happened and how that changed everything. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, that's part of my story and that's definitely why I'm so aware of how precious each moment is. Um, but, you know, in short, uh, I was two months postpartum with my second child, my son, and um, my husband and I had planned a trip to go to Maine. We had done this before we even had the baby um, because we just knew that we would need this. And we kind of were like, I don't know how we're going to make this work out. I don't know who's going to be watching our kids, but we're putting this on the calendar and we're going to make it happen. And so we were about to go to Maine that weekend. And um, I kind of went through all the regular motions of, you know, feeding my son and doing my thing. And um, I don't have a huge recollection around the day, but I do remember having this feeling of like heartburn and being really tired. And I think I thought at the moment, I just need to get to Maine and sleep for like 48 hours straight, you know, because you're a new mom and right. Having kids is tough. So, um, so I guess in the midst of all of that, um, you know, my parents had come to visit and they were taking my kids to go to like McDonald's or something. And I was going to go pick him up in Cambridge, um, near Boston and, you know, continue driving North. And I don't know if I had a sixth sense or what happened. Um, but instead of driving to go and pick him up, I drove myself to the emergency room. Wow. Um, and it literally, I think part of it was somewhat of a divine intervention because I have amnesia around all of it. I don't remember any of that. Um, but I basically drove myself to the emergency room and the team at the hospital literally saved my life because I went into cardiac arrest sitting there on the EKG machine. Oh, wow. Uh, crazy. Like I tell the story and I feel like I'm talking about somebody else's movie. It's kind of a weird thing. Um, but I How lucky think to have a heart attack there. Yes, right? yes literally. Um, <laughs> that usually doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. And and if you think about that, like every decision that I must have made in that process, like one different decision would have had a totally different right. result, which is why I believe so deeply in the power of your thoughts and choosing what you're going to do. Um, but after I came out of that, you know, my life was literally like it came to a screeching halt. I didn't know if I was going to um come out of it. You know, I had brain fog. I was super scared. I didn't know if I was going to have another event. Um, I was a new mom. You can imagine like with all of the taking care of a newborn things, like, was I going to be able to go back to work? Like all the things and which I love to say all the things. (laughs) (laughs) It's always all the things, right? Um, And I was really scared and really stuck for a long time. And I think the real, like you would think that when I decided to leave my corporate job after my heart attack, that that was the moment where my life really changed. But actually, the moment where my life really changed is when I was on my road to recovery. 
And I was so scared that literally, like, am I going to die? Is this going to happen again? That I decided in that moment, you have you have a choice right now to decide whether you, you're going to believe that you're going to live or die. Like, there are no guarantees. Nobody has a crystal ball. The, right? Every, there are so many things that are out of our control. Like, what do you want to decide? And in that moment, I decided that I was going to live. And I think as a result of that, I saw the power in the in the thought, in the deciding in that moment, because it changed everything for how I looked at my life. Mm. It changed how I felt. It changed what I did next. It changed me from being in a perpetual state of sort of like overwhelm and spin out, especially in a life that I had now created that was everything that I wanted. Like I had always wanted to take the chance to be a coach. Like I had stood on that cliff forever. I thought if I left corporate America, I would have no money. Like here I am a money coach. Like, you know what I mean? So like all the things that your clients struggle with, like I, I really believe like you are them somewhere on your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had constructed this life like, okay, I left corporate America and now I have my own business and I was lucky enough to have planned for that in a certain way. So I had some savings. Like Everything you want is right here. And why can't I be happy about it and fill my life with joy? And like you and I always talk about, go for it. And it was because I was in the mindset of like total overwhelm, total disbelief, total like not going for it. Um, And so then after that point, I just decided, Jess, it is one moment at a time. Sometimes it's like choosing in that moment, like, I don't feel like doing this, you know what I mean? And owning it and, and being in control of that, like it's not the end of the world. Yeah. It's just where I'm at and trying to do that with like joy and not judgment. And then in those other moments, choosing, you know, nope, this is happening. Like I heard I heard a podcast this morning from one of my coaches, Susan Hyatt, and she was talking about a picnic that she was putting on and the event planners were like, get freaking out because she wanted to do it outside in the weather. And she's like... No, this is happening. Like the picnic is happening. And I thought, how many moments in our lives where we want to just like the picnic is happening, done, right? Yeah. You know? Just make a decision. You don't have to go, like you call it, spin out. So That's right. And it's like, it doesn't have to be some huge thing. Mm-hmm. It can be the little things because I think the little things are the big things. Yeah. Wow. What yeah. a story. So crazy. Do you feel like... um do your clients often come in understanding mindset, understanding how the thoughts, you know, create the feelings, or is this totally new to a lot of them? No, I think you were far. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. When you were saying, oh, yeah, I've done some thought work and this, I was like, wow, this is, yeah, most people, um, it's not that they don't intellectually, I think, grasp the concept that their thoughts, you know, have some sort of impact on their life, but they don't understand the power of it. Mm. Um, they, I think they come in thinking like it's a doing problem. Like, I don't know how to, you know, find my clients. I don't know how to talk to them. I, I want to, um, maybe, you know, sell more of my whatever, but how do I do that? It's always like a how doing piece. And I'm not here to suggest that like, we don't need to do anything because we totally do. But when you do it from the right mindset and when you understand how powerful your thoughts are to choose and and how that makes you feel and what you do after that, just like you knew when you came in, it's a whole different ballgame, right? So no, most people don't come in with that understanding. Their mind all. must be blown then. Because it, it is a kind of a game changer when you realize, <laughs> oh wait, I kind of have control of everything and 
uh, not control, but in terms of my thoughts, like there's circumstances and you can't control those, but how do you approach the circumstance? Totally. Once you get into that work, it's, it's a, it's a game changer. So it's totally a game changer. I think it's also like a very abstract thing. Like people don't know how to measure mindset. And so for me, that was, you know, I always laugh with a friend of mine. We've been hearing this for years. Like since we've been going to coach training, like it's all about mindset. And the other day, finally, we're like four years later, we get it. Yes, it's about mindset, you know? Um, so, but I think, um, I'm a scientist at heart. You know, I'm one of those, like my coaching really is a balance between like the data and what I call like all the voodoo stuff. I was going to say, you're not woo woo. Yeah. You know, right. There is, because I think, I think we've all experienced these things in our lives that we can't really explain, but they happen to us. So I think there's like, it's a combination of both of those things. Um, but I was a data person. I'm like, show me how this correlates. And I think when you really start to look at your results or the, the data in your life as a direct, um, you know, output of the thoughts that you have, it is, like you said, it is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, there it is again, the same result from this thought that I just can't shake, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to see that in yourself. I mean, most of my clients, actually, I shouldn't say most, all of them, right, are brilliant, capable, driven people. I believe they could probably figure this out if they wanted to give it a lot of time and a lot of pain and a lot of energy on their own, right? They could totally do that. But I think it's working with somebody else, whether it's a coach, mentor, like somebody outside of you that can help you dig under that and really like see it the way you would never see it, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just that little change in the lens that makes a big difference. Yeah. The couple of things that stick out that you've taught me, um, which I thought was kind of fun because I've been doing a lot of this mindset work and listening to podcasts for a couple of years, you are, you talk about how do you, sh- how do you want to show up in different parts of your life? And you actually talked about an avatar. Yeah. Um, and so now I have different avatars for different parts, <laughs> different yes. parts of my life. And so before when I was home, um, that was like, I would be, I wouldn't even take my shoes off. I just go into go mode. Okay. What can I get done to make everything better and easier and blah, blah, blah. And I always, always feeling guilty. So now, cause you said you need to have like a physical ritual. Like a ritual. You want to yeah. call it a ritual. So now yeah. I get into slippers. Yeah. I love it. It's so great. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. at, you know, the Chateau Bass. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a spa. No, it's not at all. <laughs> and then my avatar, because I'm not happy. My husband's sitting next to me because he was, he had a little brief interview. Um, but I don't like how I show up to my husband. So we were talking, this cracks mm-hmm. me up, actually. We were talking about my avatar for my husband. I think I was calling it Betty Homemaker, but you are calling it Betty, <laughs> Betty Crocker. Crocker. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's Betty Crocker. Oh, wait, is she? No, Aunt Jemima's the one in the pancakes. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But um, so I would be like a little bit 1950s-ish and um, just kind of say, hi, honey. But you were talking about as soon as he walks in, kind of have something. So now we hug. Right. Mm -hmm. And I actually posted um, something recently on Facebook about how you can make really significant impacts with a 20 second hug. Yeah. And I'm not a hugger. And this man is locking me in (laughs) for 20 (laughs) for 20 seconds. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) my brain's not going on all the things I have to do. I'm totally into it right now. Yeah. Your alter ego is a hugger. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Betty Crocker's a hugger. That's right. (laughs) So it really has worked a lot. I'm working on the husband thing a little bit, but um. But in terms of the kid thing, that that's really worked. Who do you want to show up as? And I was going through our Voxer notes. I have all these like 
qualities that I want the different personalities, the different avatars to show up as. Um, and I've seen significant changes on how I interact with my kids. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if you suggested this, but and I'm pretty proud of this. That even I get proud of myself even when it's been a couple of days, spending 20 minutes with each kid and kind of giving them attention. It just yeah. – some of my friends have been like, you don't need to do that. Like, stop. But I'm like, it makes me feel better. Yes. It makes – it's about me. I mean, sort of, you know. It is. It, it is impacts them. Yeah. But that's how I feel better about it, totally. you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, your avatar is a game changer and showing up – how do you want to show up in life? So Yeah. Yeah, that – Um. so that I learned from Todd Herman. He wrote a book called The Alter Ego. Oh. It's a great book if anyone, like, loves that type of thing. I thought it was amazing. And – yeah, there's something about stepping into this version of who we want to be. And I think, you know, sometimes we kind of su- subscribe to this idea of like fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. But I think actually the avatars are like you channeling your inner self. Mm. You know, and actually through his research, he saw that kids do this a lot. Like you see kids, they dress up as Batman, let's just say, or, you know, mm. like they're role playing. They do this a lot. And then they take on the qualities of the avatar. And what they do is actually like different than what they would do if they were just who they are. So they'll do things like, you know, they're dressing up as Batman and they're like, Batman never quits. And they keep going, (laughs) right? Because they're embodying Mm. this avatar. Now, the cool thing about it is like if you just think about this little kid or you as, you know, a wife or whatever, the quality you're channeling is in you anyway, Right? It can't, you can't pull it out of like nothingness, right? It's part of who you are. So by embodying this avatar, you are giving yourself permission to dial up these qualities that you already have with intention. Mm. And I think it's the intention that is the most important piece um, of the equation because then you get to decide what you want to think, who you want to be, and what you're going to do next. And it is so powerful. Um, and I think that like what you said, you know, is so interesting because you get to choose it in different areas of your life. Like how you would be as a business owner may not be how you're going to be with your husband, right? <laughs> so there's different pieces. Um, the same way, like as a mom, like you're, you know, you're not going to be maybe like laid back and wearing slippers when you're, you know, doing your work mm-hmm. or maybe you are, but yeah. there's, you know, there's different qualities, um, and I remember even in corporate America, I had a really strained relationship with one of my coworkers. And um, we were kind of like, this was when I was in my mid-20s. We were kind of at each other's, not each other's throats, but we were kind of locking heads. And um, one day I just decided, you know what? I'm going to go in and everything that she says is going to be fine. Like I am going to uh, like interact with her in a way that I am cooperative and I'm sort of meeting her where she's at. There's going to be no like animosity or I'm not going to kind of like buck the system here. And our relationship completely changed Hmm. in the matter of a week. Like her guard came down. Like she sort of met me where I was. And it was in that moment where I saw the power of it. So the 20 second hugs, like when you're meeting each other there, (laughs) is huge, right? It is a long hug, but there's something that happens in that moment, right? And it's not the quick check the box, like hug, okay, kiss, bye, right? You know, we all have those moments where we do that. Mm-hmm. My husband is like a gem. Um, <laughs> but I've even watched through my kids, like they get up and run to the door to greet him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to get up and run to the door to greet him, mm. you know? 
I remember I was in a corporate meeting and one of our colleagues walked in. I don't know what possessed us to do. There's like six of us in the room and he walked in and we all started clapping. (laughs) I get that all the time. Right. right. (laughs) And you just watched him. I mean, he kind of like stood up a little taller and like, you know what I mean? It was really a funny dynamic, Uh but how we show up really matters. Like Mm -hmm. if, so my, my plug to people is if you want to change the relationships in your life, including the relationship with yourself, decide who you want to be. And show up as that person. Like, have the ritual. Put the slippers on. You know, if there's a special bracelet you need to use as the ritual, put the bracelet on. Like, make it intentional. Mm-hmm. And you will watch how quickly all of the people around you pick up that energy and the universe sort of, like, conspires somehow, too. It's just amazing. Not to mention if the other person knows you're doing it. Like, it's such an honor to your relationship with that, that other person and the other people that you actually want to – be your best self for them. I mean, what is better than that, right? And so That's I always so say to good. him, I'm trying, I'm trying to be my best self. Because um, I think I put a lot of brain power into it, but I don't sure. know if the actions are always there, you know, because of the thoughts and the feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you what you were saying made me think about, you know, people always want others to change. Yes. Do you, this is what I find, but mm-hmm. you have more yeah. uh, practice. The only way other people are going to change is if you show up in a different way. Because I notice when I'm nicer, mm-hmm. he is more, you know, how I – not I can't think of a better way, but, like, yeah. kind of how I want him to show up. Yeah. I notice that. That's, I feel like that's the only chance if you want someone to change. It's kind of up to you first. What do you yeah. think about that? Yeah. So <laughs> I think you absolutely have no control over anyone changing. Right. That, that, like, how people are is a circumstance in your life, right? The only person you have control over is you. Um, I think part of the change comes from how you view the situation once you decide it's actually about you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just to use, you know, your husband as an example, you know, if you stop thinking that he has to be a certain way for you to be happy or for your, you know, for you to be like comfortable when you come home from work or whatever, if it starts to be about you, you kind of let go of his role in how you feel. And I think even the thought that it's you, you can create it shifts like the whole dynamic for you. Mm-hmm. So then it doesn't even matter what your husband is doing. Although because it's a dynamic, I think sometimes he's like, okay, she's being different. And I'm kind of like, I feel it. And I'm sort of off the hook. So they kind of meet you there. Mm. But your experience is yours. Mm. So I think some of it is that the person's changing. And the other part of it is that you're perspective Mm. is changing um it's the same thing as like how you were with your kids right when you were like i'm going to give them 20 minutes of undivided attention everything about your thoughts change right all this like the mom guilt that i should be hanging out with them yep all that stuff dissipates right so the feelings you have are different and you know what I'm sure I'm going to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure like even in those moments where you're giving them the undivided attention, you know, ki- people are people, kids are kids, right? Sometimes I'm sure they're like doing something annoying, right? <laughs> you know? right? I love my kids. Sometimes they're annoying. But because you're showing up how you want, you, you're you not using that as a reflection of you. Mm-hmm. Like when I know I'm showing up the way I want in my relationships, I can let the circumstance play out mm-hmm. and it's not about me. Mm. It doesn't mean they're not annoying anymore. You know what I mean? Right. But they're not annoying in a way that it reflects to me in my mind about something I'm not doing. 
Right. Because I know I'm doing it, right? I've I, mm-hmm. I've centered in exactly. on who I want to be. And I think that's the power of the intention. Because mm-hmm. um, when I'm – I feel like when I'm yelling at my kids or when I'm frustrated with my husband, I'm really mad at myself. Exactly. I don't know. That yes. seems to be kind of what you're saying. And it's yeah. like – but if but if I'm playing with them, things aren't going well. Like at least I'm doing, I'm making that commitment to myself too. So right, yeah, right. Especially because I don't think that we're that sophisticated in the stories we tell ourselves, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, I was laughing with my husband last night. My, my husband is an amazing person who literally cooks all of our meals. Oh my god! And I mean, like all of them. Okay. <laughs> and I say, I said to him, sometimes that really makes me feel uneasy. Like, I get this thought, like, I'm not pulling my mm. weight with cooking, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I feel like that, it's usually when I am feel like I'm dropping the ball in other areas. So, like, mm. okay, wait, I forgot to give Olivia her snack and the money for the book fair, and I'm not cooking anything. Oh, well, yeah. I hate everything. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. That's what he needs – that's what this guy needs to understand. <laughs> He's like, well, how was your day? And it's like all these things are kind of – that's how the Floating brain works. around. Yeah. Yes. Once you figure something you're not doing well, then you kind of pick at everything else. Yeah. yeah. Fun and for brains. women, it's like that mental load, right? But then it's like the angry thought about the whatever and this and that. And then it's the dinner, right? You know? Yeah. So not doing becomes, anything right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it's all the negative stuff that we then go out and collect the data for, right? Oh, That's yeah. That's why the data is so important. And you're like, okay, there's the lunchbox. There's the I didn't do this thing and I forgot to drop that other thing off. Right. And it all supports the thought that we're like failing at life. Yeah. In that moment. Your brain's going to work on all the stuff you're doing wrong. Right. Exactly. And I think the blaming other people is like the survival mode. Like, okay, mm. I'm drowning. I'm like, right. no one's going to like me. I'm going to be booted out of the tribe and it's your fault. You know what I mean? We kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. that Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not in your toddler brain a little bit. Exactly. So you have – your kids are even younger than mine. I have a five and a seven-year-old, but you're in a, you're in the thick of it. So how five do you – Wow. So mm-hmm. how do you – just how do you do it all? So I – people ask me this. I will tell you then one thing that has really helped me. It is called a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> When people are like, I am so overwhelmed. I'm like babysitter. Once you get over that, you have to spend the money. It's, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, that looks different for everybody. But I think the the basic premise is like, I ask for help however I can. Mm. Um, One of the best things that ever came out of having a horrible health crisis was the physical inability to do it all. Okay. And so it was one of those moments where I was like, we don't have money growing on trees, but if we have the money, we are throwing it at this. And there was so much guilt about that. And then I just decided, okay, are you going to like spend all the money and live in guilt? Or are you going to spend all the money and be like, this is awesome. How am I going to heal and like do the things I need to do so that when I'm with my family, they get the best parts of me. Mm -hmm. And she's an amazing person. Um, our babysitter. And so she also helps with little things like, okay, she'll like vacuum my house once a week. Mm. Like this is a game changer. You know what I mean? Mm. Or she'll help put together my daughter's lunch sometimes the day before. Oh my gosh. Okay. The mind drama I have around picking what is for lunch. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can go into that. Right. The next day is so much better. Yes. I mean, if I pack it the night before, (laughs) my morning's like totally different. 
literally totally different. Yeah, because it takes five minutes if you're not trying to get ready for the morning, but the next day you're like, oh God, and then the kids ask you, and then where's the best? And then it's like so much drama. Yeah, right, right. So. And then they got up late and they're having a meltdown, and you're yeah. like, hair is on end, and it's seven oh five. I'm like, really? You know? Yeah, yeah. So I just also want to say that I think sometimes people think coaches are like above it all, like they're like kind of whatever. They're not dealing with this. We totally are dealing with this. We just talk about it more than other people. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, it's actually interesting, but we go through the same thing. And so, um, so yeah, my babysitter was a big part of it. She really was. And so helping, you know, getting help wherever you can. I think you've mentioned it as well. You know, if, if there's other moms you can – Right. Like, ask your husband if there's family members. Right. Like people, people are like, I may if I don't you. have the money to. But you, if That's you build right. a community – that's I right. think you can help each other. Like I'm constantly trying to help other people so that I can ask them for help. Yeah, you're an amazing connector. <laughs> you are, and you love it, right? So it's yeah. like win-win. You right, know? exactly. Um, but a lot of times we don't even ask for it, right? Which is like another huge thing. You got to ask, and yep. it's hard. But really, when you do it for yourself, it, the ripple effect of that is huge. So that's one I always tell people that is. In total honesty, that's a big thing. The other thing is I am super intentional about my time. Mm. Not that I don't, you know, whatever, stay later on a call or do whatever. You know, okay, sometimes that definitely happens. But I think you have to decide what you want to be doing and you need to say no to all the things that are not that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really hard. You know, like you have a neighbor down the street that really wants you to come over for wine one night and it's between that and like, you know, hanging out with your family. And sometimes it has to be just like on the priority list, like you're not on the list. And so that's hard, but it's also liberating because then you get to decide that you have the control over what you do with your time. And so I put it on my calendar as much as I can. I work with, you know, my clients on the ideal week. We've talked about that a little bit, I think, about just you know, bucketing those things, putting them on there and expecting that nothing is going to go exactly the way that your beautiful color-coded calendar no, is. Right? Especially with the kiddos. Yeah. Right. Life happens. Yep. But if you at least are intentional, you'll land somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So own your time. Like okay. own it like it's yours. And no, it's not going to be perfect, but fill it with the things you want. Schedule in time for yourself so you can like regroup, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then have the things on there that I think are really important. And I think that takes us a long way. Yeah. Time is – I'm totally obsessed with time. Um, speaking of which, I'm getting hungry. So I want you yes. to coach me and go to lunch. <laughs> right. We could talk all day. This was amazing. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Likewise. So happy you're my coach and I stalked you. Likewise. Do you have any other nuggets you want to leave the audience with? No pressure. On the I spot. would just say, um, you know, like I said, life is happening right now. You know – I guarantee that all of the people in your circle, Becky, that are listening to this podcast are people that are amazing, capable, and like put out there to do amazing things. Do not wait. Go after what you want. And if you need help to get through that, find somebody to help you. But you are literally one thought away from a totally different reality. So take a chance on yourself and go for it. I love that. I mean, I, some people look at me and they're like, oh, you're just doing all these things. And like, oh, it's like just I'm just doing it. And yeah. It's not this. I'm not this. So you, you talked at a, another time about like being a special person. You didn't think, yes. you know, you had oh to be a special gosh. person to be a coach. They're just normal people who wake up with anxious thoughts. That's right. You know, oh, yeah. I'm no mm-hmm. I'm no more special than anyone else. Mm-hmm. I'm just making the choice yeah. to just try different things try to have fun, do what I want to do. So I think anyone could do it. And I think I want to be an example for just 
the you know the regular person to just go after it. Why can't I have a freaking yeah, exactly. podcast? Yeah, I think the difference between you and someone who's not doing it is you figured out how to do it. Like you've done it, you've gone for it. Yeah, and then you figure it out. Same thing with being a coach. Like now I know how to self coach. Now I know how to coach people. I wasn't born a coach. You know what I mean? You come out the womb a coach. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not like a special snowflake either. Right, right. That's what you said, a special snowflake. Anyone can do it if they really want to. I'm just someone who's not overthinking things. That's (laughs) right. Why not? Why not? So thank you for – oh, how do we find you on social media? Brand new you. Yes, I am like on all the social platforms. So on Facebook, um, I'm Jessica DiGuardi-Miller and I have a page, Brand New You Coaching. On Instagram, um, I'm Jessica DiGuardi-Miller as well and Brand New You. And then – I'm also on LinkedIn as Jessica Miller, so I don't know if we can drop the URLs or whatever, but yeah. I know Diaguardi is so easy to spell. <laughs> I know. I'm like, whoa, I had no idea that's how you say your name. Let's yeah. call you Jess Miller. Yeah, Jess Miller's easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. Thank and you. let's go eat. All right. <laughs>